Hey, Harvest, Pastor Cal here. I hope you're doing well. And uh, as you can already see, if you've been following along with us, things look a little bit different today. And uh, usually I'm standing at the camera and preaching and today I am sitting. And um, so if you've seen me preach in person, you know that this whole transition to preaching in camera has been a big transition for me because I am a chronic pacer. In fact, my staff often makes fun of me that when I preach or if I'm on the phone, I'm just pacing back and forth, back and forth. So to stand and to not move move it all has been a challenge. And you guys haven't been able to see this, but Emo and Lucas and our production crew, they've actually had to put things in front of me that weren't on camera that wouldn't allow me to move around while I was preaching um, because it, it was just too hard to get into the shot. So I said, hey, this week, let's try me sitting down. Let's see if that's more comfortable. Let's see if that uh, goes better. So here's what I'll tell you. If in a week from now or next time you see me preaching, if I'm standing up again, you will know that it didn't work. But hey, why not try something different? And uh, speaking of different, I wanna start this morning off a, a little bit differently. And I wanna start by saying thank you. And in a season that's been very, very difficult for a lot of us, and in a season where our leadership in regards to submission and reopening have made some decisions that we believe are right, but we also know aren't popular and are going against the grain a little bit. I just wanna thank you for your kindness, your prayers and your encouragement. You know, every week we get emails or Facebook messages of people saying, hey, I love my church, I'm with you, I support you. And that is such a food for our soul and such a kindness and an encouragement and really, really so thankful for that. Um, I know that there are women in our church who are gathering together almost every week to do prayer walks, just praying for our leadership and our our ministry and our church and the people and all of you. And, and what an awesome thing that is. What, what a blessing that is to my heart. And I'll even know, you know, speaking for Mary and myself, even just walking downtown Grand Haven during the summer and running into you and seeing you and um, just seeing your smiles if we're not wearing masks and to talk and, and just such kind people um, are, are a part of this church. And it's been such a blessing in this difficult season. And, and here's what I want you to know. Um, I, I also want to say this. Um, so many of you have in, continued to just faithfully and sacrificially give to this ministry in, in this different season. And that has allowed us to, to do ministry in an effective way. And I'm so thankful for that. And, and you guys are just honoring the Lord with, with how you've endured this season. And again, would we have chosen this for ourselves? No, I don't think you would have chosen it either, but we're trusting the Lord, trying to be faithful and, and we're seeing God's blessing all over that. And I just wanna start off by sharing a couple cool stories or cool things to report. Um, just so you know, um, God is active and moving powerfully in our ministries in this season, even though we can't gather all together in person. Just this week, we had a, a lady through our soul care ministry give her life to Christ. She was counseling with my mom, actually, and she prayed the sinner's prayer, confessed her sin, gave her life to Christ. We're rejoicing in that. We have had um, over 100 new people sign up for small groups in the signups the last few weeks, which we're excited about. We have leaders meetings in the next couple of weeks. We're getting those kicked off after Labor Day. So there's still time for you to join in that. We would encourage you to do that. It's gonna be a really important part of our church in this season. And in fact, on Tuesday, I took my boys to go get our haircuts and uh, we go to see a, a barber. His name's Trevor. He's a young guy in our 20s ministry. And he just talked my ear off for like 10 or 15 minutes about how great his small group has been and how God was being faithful, how the relationships in his life were just growing and flourishing and how God has used their small group to even really just bring about radical change in his heart. And it was just such a blessing to see the people of God being the church, 
ministry happen even in these challenging times. Again, would we have chosen this? Probably not. Is God still moving and working in powerful ways? Absolutely. So just as your pastor, I just wanna say, I love this church. There's nowhere else I'd rather be serving. And I'm just so thankful to be a part of what God is doing here. So let's do this. If you have your Bibles, open them up to Philippians 4. We're gonna be in Philippians 4 uh, this morning. And honestly, as we meet together this week, this is really a big week for a lot of us. And the reason I say that is because for most of us in our area, a school is back in session starting on Monday after what feels like the longest summer vacation in world history. And I know that there's many teachers in our churches and and administrators that have been busy and preparing and planning, and they're gonna see the fruit of all of that happen as kids file in in the next few days. And um, honestly, for Mary and myself, this is kind of a milestone weekend for us because starting on Monday, Judah, our youngest, is in school full time. He is a kindergartner, is going to be going to school all day, every day. And so this is the first time for us in like 10 years where, where Mary's not going to have uh, to take care of a kid during the day. So do me a favor. If you see Mary just like wandering around aimlessly throughout Grand Haven, you know, just kind of go up to her and remind her, hey, it's okay. Your kids are at school. You haven't lost them. Like it, it's going to be okay. She might be a little dazed and confused with all of this freedom. Um, actually, she won't be doing that at all. But if you see her, she'll probably have a big smile on her face. And one of the things I've learned in this season is she really doesn't like it when I ask the question, so what are you gonna do with all this free time? She kind of rolls her eyes at me and, and, and um, has a short response. So I'm kind of learning how to navigate through that. But man, we're excited for that. And um, here's what I would say though. If we're honest, this transition back into school It comes with a crazy amount of fears and worries and unknowns, doesn't it? Like everyone I've talked to, when it's like, all right, what's going on with school? It's all these questions. It's how long is it gonna last before we get shut down again? What what happens if all of a sudden there's an outbreak in the school and the teachers or the kids get sick? What's gonna happen during flu season? Like how are our kids gonna actually navigate the day having to wear masks? Like I fully anticipate that within the first week or two, Judah's gonna come home from school with a different kid's mask on, right? Like there's part of me that's like, man, I don't know how this is all going to work out. And here's what I would say, that when there is uncertainty and when we don't know how things are gonna play out, it can lead to a lot of anxiety and fear in our hearts, can't it? Like, like I think fear and anxiety elevate in our lives when we don't know what's going to happen in the future. And so what's so cool about this morning is again, God has supernaturally um, timed out our study in Philippians to speak right into a moment where a lot of us are. And I'm so excited for God's word to share it with you and what he's gonna do in our hearts this morning. So again, if you have your Bibles, open them up to Philippians 4. And I just wanna share with you the big idea before we jump into the text, it's this. It's that we can absolutely have peace even in uncertain circumstances, that we, you and I can absolutely have peace even in the midst of uncertainty. And we're gonna see this play out in Philippians. Look at uh, verse two in chapter four. Here's what uh, Paul writes. He says this, he says, I entreat Euodia and I entreat Sintike. I don't know how to say that name, but Sintike sounds the prettiest. So we'll go with that. I entreat them to agree in the Lord. 
Yes, I ask you also, true companion, to help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Okay, so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at four steps to achieving real tangible peace. And the first is given to us right in verse two, and here's what it is. The first step to achieving real tangible peace is that we need to do everything you can to resolve conflict with others quickly. We need to do everything we can to resolve conflict with others quickly. And verse two is interesting. There's two women in the Philippian church and they are in a disagreement. And we don't know what the issue is, but there's a division and brokenness in their relationship. Maybe one of the ladies posted something on Facebook and the other lady gave a snarky comment and, and they've, you know, now they're frenemies. Like, we don't know exactly what happened. It probably wasn't that, but there's division amongst two women in the church and it's been brought to Paul's attention. And what Paul is saying right now is he's saying, listen, work together with these women to make peace. Do whatever you can to solve this. Both these women love the Lord. Both these women have been faithful servants. Work together as a church to help sort out whatever the issue is. And what I love about Paul here is is he doesn't make the issue the main thing. He makes unity and peace among these two followers of Christ the most important thing. And here's what I would say. I know that there's a lot of you that really hate conflict and... um, So when there is conflict in your life, it's way easier to just kind of push it under the rug or avoid it. But here's what I would say. Avoiding conflict doesn't resolve the conflict and it doesn't make it go away. But what happens is, is when there's conflict with other people, especially followers of Christ, it robs our peace because we're thinking about it and we're worked up about it. And there's this issue out there that's unresolved and it can drive us crazy and really rob the peace that God would have for us. Um, I remember um, a year or two ago, I had a friend in, in the church who I was close with and we had a falling out and he was mad at me. I was frustrated with him. He was telling other people about how upset he was with me. And it was really, really bothering me. And I remember for like two or three days, it was that thing where when I wasn't thinking about anything, that conflict was always playing out in my mind. And I remember just after about two or three days, looking at Mary and being like, Mary, we just need to have this couple over. And I wanna get to the bottom of this. I'm tired of not having peace in my life because of this conflict. So we had this couple over to our house and here's what I would say. I was nervous about having them over and it was, I was worried it was gonna be heated. I was worried it wasn't going to go well. And we sat with this couple, talked through the issue, spent two hours together. And by the end of it, um, we prayed together, we hugged, we realized that the majority of it was misunderstanding and misreading one another's actions or, or what we said. And we left in a great place to the point where even today I could say, I don't have any issues with that person. And it was like, as soon as that conversation happened, as soon as I faced the conflict, it was like, man, this peace entered my heart and unity was restored. It honored the Lord and was a good thing. And here's what I would say, that doesn't always end that clean and that well. And sometimes you try to resolve a conflict and the other person's not willing to meet or not willing to talk to you, or you try to talk and things seem to get worse. And here's what I would say, even if things don't end well, if you can stand before the Lord and say, man, I had conflict in my life and I did everything I could to resolve it. 
and I was kind and gracious and honored the Lord, you will still have peace because you did everything you could. And now you're just gonna wait on the Lord's timing and trust him in that process. So, so even if it doesn't end amazing, do everything you can to, to fix the conflict that's in your life if you're ever gonna have peace. So can I ask you this question, church? Is there any outstanding issues you have with other believers? Like, is there conflict left unresolved in your life? Because if you wanna be a person who's marked by the supernatural peace of God, we need to be active and work to resolve those things and honor the Lord in that so that we might live at peace with one another and just even emotionally with ourselves. Romans 12, 8 says that, 12, 18 says this. It says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Right, so we have the responsibility to do everything we can to live at peace with others. And this is what Paul is modeling. He's like, church, help these women get along, help them resolve their issue because they're both valuable members of Christ's family and I want them to be at peace. Okay, here's the second step to having a life that's marked by peace. It's this, we need to remember that God is with us. You need to remember that God is with you. Look at verse four. It says this, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Now do me a favor. If you take notes in your Bible, circle that phrase, the Lord is at hand, because that's really kind of the main phrase that he's going to build the rest of this passage off of. What he is saying is he's, listen, rejoice, be thankful because the Lord is with you. He's saying the Lord is present in your circumstances. And here's what I would say. One of the primary themes throughout all of scripture is that God has gone through extraordinary efforts and measures to be with us and to have relationship with us. And here's what I mean. Think about the story of creation. God speaks the universe into existence. He creates the world. He creates this beautiful garden. Why? so that he can have relationship with man and woman in the garden. And before there was sin, it says he would walk with man in the garden, that God the Father would be present in his creation. He was on earth talking with them, having relationship with them, loving them as his creation. And then we know the story that man and woman rebelled against God and sin broke that communion, that broke that relationship between God and man. And then the rest of the Old Testament is God really pursuing relationship with us while we rejected him, right? Think about Abraham. He's, he meets Abraham and says, listen, I'm gonna make you a great nation. I'm gonna be with you. I'm gonna give you this land. And then Abraham travels to that land. And then, but eventually the, Israelites, Abraham's descendants, they leave that land and go back to Egypt where things are gonna be easier for a moment, but eventually they end up as slaves. And then God appears to Moses and he says, I'm gonna free you from the Egyptians. I'm gonna take you out of slavery and I'm going to be with you. You don't need to be afraid. And God does these miraculous works to free Israel from Egypt. And then they go into the wilderness together. And it says that God was with them in a pillar of cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night. His presence was with the people. He was providing for them. He was giving them food. But the people of Israel, they rebelled and they complained and they had grumbling spirits. Then when the people of Israel enter the promised land, 
God is like, I wanna be your king. I wanna be your leader. I want you to be different from every other nation because you won't be ruled by a man, but you'll be ruled by God himself. But the Israelites, they didn't want that and they rejected him. They wanted to fit in with the other nations around them. And so they elected their own king. And over and over and over, you see God calling his people to himself, but but us in our hearts rejecting God. And then the New Testament comes and you see the second person of the Trinity enter the story. And Jesus, God himself becomes man. And he walks on earth, he enters into the broken creation and he ultimately will die on a cross to pay the penalty for our sin. So our sin, our rebellion, our pride is paid for by Jesus. And what does that accomplish? He reestablishes our ability to have a relationship with God. He pays sin's penalty so we can be in God's presence and our sin is paid for. We are not under the wrath of God, but we are under God's blessing because of what Jesus did for us. And then the age of the church is born and the Holy Spirit, the third member of the Trinity on Pentecost, it is unleashed on the earth and now God's spirit resides in our heart. And what does the Holy Spirit do? He seals our relationship with God. He grows our relationship with God. He reminds us of who we are when we doubt. He is establishing and building our relationship with God. So every person of the Godhead is moving to build relationship with us. And we know that through faith in Jesus Christ, we always are with God. God resides with us. And so here's what Paul is saying. No matter what circumstance you're in, you can rejoice because you're not alone. God is with you. You know, I think of being a parent and I would say all of my kids have gone through this phase growing up where we'll be tucking them in bed and all of a sudden they'll have this fear. And they think that like after they go to bed that mom and dad are gonna bail on the family and like we're gonna go out and leave the house and leave them to um, themselves. So what will happen is, is I'll be tucking them in and, and they'll be like, dad, where are you gonna be when we go to sleep? And I'm gonna be like, we're gonna be right downstairs. Are you sure you're not going anywhere? Yeah, we're not going anywhere. So you promise you're not gonna leave. Yes, I promise I'm not going to leave. I've never once left you in your entire life. Oh, oh yeah, that, that's right. And then they go to sleep. Well, it's kind of like the same with us and God. Like, listen, no matter what trial we go through, no matter what circumstance we are in, God is always with you. He's always engaged. He's always present. He's always near. You are never going through anything by yourself because God is present with you. And what Paul is encouraging us is that, listen, we can have a life of peace when the foundation of our life revolves around the reality that the creator God of the universe loves us, is our father and is walking with us every step of the way. That's how we have real tangible peace. Look at verse six, it says this, and says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So here's the third step to having real tangible peace. We need to offload our fears and anxieties onto the right person. Paul in this famous passage of scripture says, listen, don't be anxious about anything. Don't hold on to that fear and anxiety, but take it to the Lord. 
And he gives kind of three elements of how we offload this onto the Lord, which is really, really important. Here's the first. The first thing he says is in everything. And what that means is, is nothing is off limits to God. He's saying, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you feel in everything, take that to the Lord. You know how like in most relationships or in family dynamics, there's certain things that in order to keep the peace, you can't talk about right? Maybe that's politics. Maybe that's whether or not COVID is real. Maybe that's like an ex-girlfriend or an ex-boyfriend or a past relationship. But like families kind of know there's certain things you just don't talk about if you want peace. With God, it works the opposite. It says, if you want peace, talk to God about everything. We don't need to hide. There's nothing that's off limits to him. He's saying how you feel, what's on your heart in every situation, huge, small, and in between, Come to me, talk to me. I love you. I want relationship with you. I want you to talk to me. Isn't that amazing? The next thing it says that we need to do when we offload our fear and anxiety to God is we need to do everything with thanksgiving. So we need to be thankful. God asks us that when we come to him, that we don't have a grumbling, complaining spirit, that that models a lack of faith but we come to him thankful knowing that he's in control and in charge and that we're thankful that he is with us. You know, one of the things, if you do a study in the Bible that will become very, very clear, very, very quickly, God doesn't respond well to complainers whether that's Job when he was going through his trial or the Israelites in the wilderness. Listen, when we come with thankful hearts and trusting hearts and hearts full of faith, he answers and he responds and he gives peace. But when we grumble and complain, what we're really saying is, is God, I don't trust you because I don't like the place you have me in. And so here's the question. So right now we're in a tough season as a church and as a country and, and maybe in your workplace. How do we remain thankful and positive in times that are difficult? Well, well here's what I have found to be very, very helpful. Um, in the morning, what I do when I wake up, the first thing that goes through my mind is, hey, what are five things I can be thankful for right now? And if you like to take notes or journal, maybe you write those down every day. Here are five things that I can be thankful to the Lord for. And by the way, there's way more than five, but I wanna start my day thanking God and focusing on the things I can be thankful for. Some of those things are, man, haven't we had an amazing summer weather-wise? Right, like coming out of having to be quarantined for a month wouldn't have been the worst if like summer was cold and rainy and the weather was bad. No, it's been beautiful. And we've been able to be outside. We've been able to, to see friends and family. Like God has been so gracious to us in the beautiful weather he's given us. I'm thankful for the people that I get to work with. I'm thankful for the technology that allows me to preach the gospel even to a video camera. But I know that people in our church are going to watch it. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for the time I've gotten to spend with my kids in the sweet season that this has been. I'm thankful that their schools are opening so that they can go back. Like there's so much for us to be thankful for. And I think when we start with thankfulness, it honors the Lord and then here's the third. He says, let your requests be made known to God. And what I would say with that is, is we need to get specific. He, he's saying, we don't need to pretend. We, we don't need to like try to say the right thing. He says, listen, be grimy, be gritty, 
tell me what's on your heart. Tell me what you want and and be specific in what you want me to do. Say, God, I want you to answer this prayer this way. And this is what I want to to see different. And this is what I want help in. Make your request known. He is offering the invitation to say, tell me how you feel. Tell me what you want. And then here's what he promises. That when we do those things in everything with thanksgiving, specifically, He says, regardless of how he answers that individual prayer, he promises that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And I know that there's some of you that are like, I don't get how that works. Well, like, I don't get how me just praying about this situation is gonna change anything. Like, this is hard, this is difficult, like, how? And here's what I would tell you. It's an act of faith. God himself says it's going to surpass our understanding. So if we don't get how it's going to work, that's the whole point. God is saying, trust me, make the move of faith to approach me on it and see that I won't show up and do what I promise to do. He promises us his supernatural power. Even if he doesn't answer the prayer how we want, he says, I'm gonna show up supernaturally and give your heart a peace which surpasses all understanding. Isn't that an awesome thing that the cure to our fear and our worries and our anxiety is God himself? And then here's what I would say the fourth step to achieving real tangible peace is. Um, We need to get out of worst case scenario land. We need to get out of worst case scenario land. Look at verse eight. Paul writes, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there are things, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So what Paul is telling the Philippians is, hey, make sure your mind is focused on the things that are true, that are right, that are commendable, that are pure, and think about these things and the God of peace will be with you. And here's why I say we need to get out of worst case scenario land, because so often when there's uncertainty or when we don't know how things are gonna play out, we quickly run to worst case scenarios, don't we? Um, Funny story, uh, earlier this summer, I've lived in Michigan now for 28 years. I moved up when I was six, I'm 34 now. And I had never been to Mackinac Island. And my wife was like personally offended by that. She's like, how can you be a Michigander and never been to Mackinac Island? So we took like a two or three day trip up to Mackinac. And I got to see the UP for the first time. And that was cool to see. I have no intention of ever setting foot on the UP, um, but it looks cool. It looks pretty. That was cool. And we didn't go over the bridge, but the bridge looks nice. And um, we were going to go to Mackinac Island. And if you've been there, you know that you can only get there by ferry. And when we arrived, we arrived in the afternoon and we were arriving right as a storm was rolling in. So we get on this ferry and it's about a 20 minute ferry ride and the water was really cold. The water at Lake Michigan was like 50 degrees and it starts downpouring on our ferry. And it was so bad that no one could sit up on the deck. Everyone was inside and it was windy and it was wavy and it was raining so much that you couldn't even see out of the windows of the ferry. Like like we were going pretty much blind. And I remember thinking to myself in the, I'm like, all right, we're in the middle of Lake Michigan. It's stormy, it's rainy, the water's cold. And all of a sudden this thought ran through my mind. What would I do right now if the boat sunk? Like, what if we got hit by a wave and tipped over? What would I do? 
And here's what I'll tell you, shockingly, that didn't make me feel any better in the moment, right? Now, rather than enjoying this time with my wife and being on the ferry for the first time and being excited about my trip to Mackinac, I'm thinking, how am I going to survive in the middle of the lake when our boat sinks, right? Like, not a great place for me to go mentally. Um, Here's another funny story, and he's going to hate that I tell you this, but um, about 11 years ago, Ryan and I, Pastor Ryan, were working at the same church in Orlando. And uh, we had a conference that we had to attend in Chicago. So Ryan and I, we booked our flights and flew out to Chicago. And I remember being in Orlando, being in the airplane and we're taxiing out to the runway. And all of a sudden I noticed that like Ryan was very, very tense. He was like holding his seat kind of hard. And I could tell he was nervous. And I was like, man, do you not like to fly? And he goes, oh no, man. He goes, I actually, I'm actually pretty apprehensive about flying. And he goes, specifically landing. And he's like, I just really get nervous when our plane's landing and I see us coming towards the ground. That kind of freaks me out. And so me trying to be a helpful friend in the moment, I was like, oh, you shouldn't worry about landing. We're way more likely to crash when we're taking off because that's when the problem that was with the plane got got missed or maybe an engine will blow out as it revs up. Like, yeah, we're way more likely to crash at takeoff than landing. And Ryan's like, you're not helping me, bro. Like now I'm going to be nervous the whole time rather than just the landing. And so here's what I would say. When you're riding on an airplane, it's not a great time to be thinking about airplane crashes, right? Like, but our minds so quickly jump to worst case scenarios. And I think even in this season that we're in, it's been easy for me to jump to worst case scenarios. Hey, what happens if restrictions don't lift for another six months? What happens if um, things spike in the fall? What happens if this school thing does, like it's so easy for us to run to worst case scenarios. And all we're doing in that moment is we're robbing ourselves of the peace that God would have for us right now. You know, Jesus tells his disciples when he prays and is modeling prayer to them, he, he asks God, give us today our daily bread. And what he's saying is, is God, give us what we need to honor you and navigate. Give us everything we need for today, right? Tomorrow's worries will handle themselves. The only thing we do when we worry about the future is we're robbing ourselves of the joy and peace that God would have for us now. And, and what Paul is saying is, listen, set your mind on what is true. And that is that God is in control. He loves us. He's working even in these circumstances and scenarios that are difficult to do an awesome work in our heart. And listen, church, I am so convinced that in a year from now, two years from now, five years from now, we're going to look back on this season and we're gonna say, man, it wasn't easy and it was difficult and it was hard, but I wouldn't trade what God was doing in our hearts and in our community and in our um, family, our church family. I wouldn't trade what he accomplished just to get out of the trial. Look how Paul closes in verse nine. I I love this. He says, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. And I think it's always important for us to remember who's writing this. Paul is writing this as he's in prison awaiting his death. And he's like, listen, you've seen me model this. You've seen me preach this. You've seen me live this out. And he's saying, listen, God has a thousand percent track record of showing up and providing peace regardless of our circumstances. Church, we don't need to be a people whose emotions and anxieties and attitudes are tossed by circumstance to circumstance. God is offering us an anchor 
that will provide peace and real joy no matter what our circumstances are. And that's when we um, choose to believe that God is with us, to do the best we can to resolve the conflict in our lives, to trust that He is with us, to pray to Him to offload our fears and anxieties on the one who can hold them. And He says, I'm going to show up and I'm just so thankful for God. I'm thankful for this church and just so thankful um, for what he's doing in and through us. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for um, this season. God, I'm thankful for all that you're doing. And we know you're at work. We know that you're good. We know that you are faithful. We know that you are doing all things, that you are orchestrating all things together for your glory and our good. And so God, I just pray that we would set our minds and our hearts on what is true. God, would you protect us from going to worst case scenarios? Would you protect us from allowing conflict with others to linger? Would you take away any sense of judgmentalism in our hearts? And would you just give us humble hearts that seek after you and trust you? We love you. You're so kind and so good. It's in your son's name we pray, amen. Thank you, church. You are loved.